Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Empowering Hope podcast. My name is Justin Boothby, and today I am joined by Jessica Gage. Jessica Gage, I'm, I'm trying, what, actually, what was your last name before you got married? My maiden name was Johnson. Johnson, People called that's me what JJ. I JJ, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I, yeah, I thought it was Johnson, but I wasn't yep. sure. So I'm um, joined by Jessica Gage, not <laughs> Jessica Johnson. Uh, and Jess and I actually go back to high school. We, we've known each other, what, what would we say, 14 years? Yeah, 14, 15 years. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited to have her on the podcast with us today. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about mental health and how Jess is doing her her part to ensure that that Christians have a better understanding and a better grasp on how we can integrate, uh, I would say, mental health into our lives as Christ followers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So um, I'm going to go ahead and, and give it to you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, and what you're doing. So my name's Jess. Um, I'm a licensed counselor in Pennsylvania. I've been doing this now for 10 years, which we were also just oh discussing. Gosh. It's so crazy. Um, I also supervise postgraduate, so people who have earned a degree and are now also trying to become licensed in Pennsylvania. And I do some speaking around the city um, about the very topics that we're talking about today. Okay. So you're, you're doing it all. Yeah, it's fun. I feel like I'm a person who's uh, not afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid of the questions people ask me. And yeah. so we get into some good discussions. Yeah, I was going to say, because in your notes here, I think it's says, uh, isn't afraid to stir the pot. <laughs> I love to stir a pot, people. But then I stay in the mess with people. Like, yeah. okay, let's hash this out together. Let's figure out what the tough questions are oh, and deal with man. it. See, I love stirring the pot, but I, I'm also like, I want to please people at the same time. And it's like, <laughs> I got to find that balance of like, what pot is appropriate to stir? Oh, that's you, a good one. That's an you, important question. Maybe that's a whole podcast in and of itself, I How think. How many pots can you have? <laughs> um, so, okay, while we're kind of talking fun here, let's, do you have a fun story you'd like to share? Okay, so I, it's really difficult. I think anybody who is a mom knows that once you become a mom, it's really difficult to embarrass. So whenever I was thinking of a story, I instead landed on the story of why I really don't embarrass easily. Mm -hmm. um, and it harkens back to whenever we had my son, um, it was kind of a traumatic birth. So I was in the hospital for a couple of days yeah. before and a few days after. And during the time after he was born, I was all set up in my hospital room with my pump going and the chaplain walked in unannounced <laughs> without knocking. And so I'm sitting there just like, staring at the chaplain oh and he's gosh. looking at me he's mortified i'm like is my baby okay like i don't really know what's happening right, yeah. and he just turns around and walks away I, I did pass him in the hospital hallways a couple of times after that we just like averted our eyes and just kept going but yeah that's... but but you weren't really embarrassed no, but he, he was no, I had bigger things on my mind i felt bad for him but that was sure <laughs> yeah well, I mean, he's a chaplain in a hospital, it's right? It's true. I'm I sure mean, he's seen I'm sure many he's things. seen way other things. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. Um, so tell me a little bit about why you went into being, being a counselor and specifically working with mental health. Yeah, so um, I think growing up, I, I knew I wanted to be someone who could help mediate. I had friends whose parents were getting divorced, and um, I knew there were people who could like help them in those situations. Um, and actually, my second grade teacher told my mom whenever I was a, a kid that I would probably grow up to be a counselor, and they both told me that on graduation day after I'd already like declared a major and was oh ready to gosh. go. Um, so that's exciting. Like I feel like I am gifted in, in this field. Um, and then the mental health piece has kind of come in as a – um, kind of tangent to that. So counseling, I think people um, often refer to as like the talk therapy parts of things without necessarily understanding the mental health side. Um, so for me, it's important to, to integrate those things together. Okay. Um, so in, in our notes here, one of the things that we talk about, there's a lot of myths, right? Yes, there are a people. lot of myths about yes. mental health. Yeah. 
And I, and you know, so in theology, we would call it folk theology, right? Things. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, okay. maybe we could call it like folk, folk psychology. Folk psychology. Mm, I love yeah, it. things that we think that are true, things that are kind of spoken out throughout communities that we think are true but really aren't. Um, and so maybe if you'd like to, uh, if you could go through and debunk some of these myths that we have. Yes, I would love uh, it. As far as um, mental health goes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm all about it. Okay. Okay. The Let's first one. I'm ready. Go ahead. So one of the myths that I hear all the time is that if a Christian is experiencing a mental health issue, they just need to, to pray more or have more faith oh, or go to church or a healing service, which those things can be wonderful sure. and can be a part of that. Um, but statistically and in terms of like biochemical stuff in our bodies, there are just other things going on. Yeah. So that's not the answer for everyone. There's, there's genetic stuff, there's chemistry stuff, there's um, just situational stuff. And I think that if we just kind of rush to that we'll pray about it some more. I think that we're missing a huge piece of what's really going on inside of a person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just praying about something. Okay, sure. We were both Christ followers. We both believe in but the power do of prayer. Please do that. Yeah. Absolutely. But there is so much more to it than just praying or just having more faith. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a good myth to, to debunk. Um, and in the episode you did with Mike Matthews, he yes. said, um, oh, what was it? The Bible in the hands of, oh, Oh, Mike, what was it? The Bible in the wrong hands is a hammer. Oh, Something like yes. that. And I was like, yes, mm -hmm. that's so true. It's like, so true. We have to be careful of that in this field for sure. Yeah. Um, you mind if I read the, the next myth? Please and, do. And you, I you? love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So myth number two, a person dealing with mental or emotional illnesses cannot lead in ministry. Woo! Guys, <laughs> cut this out. Really, I, I tell people all the time, I, I've counseled pastors and their families and all kinds of people, and for us to expect our pastors and our church leaders to have 100% good days is just outrageous. It's not helpful. Um, and in fact, 23% of pastors, I get a little geeky on this, 23% of pastors who've been polled have reported some kind of mental health. Issue. Only 23%. So, right. So I, I would expect it to be, to be way higher mm -hmm, than that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's partially because it's misunderstood. So they think yeah. it's a rough time. They think it's burnout. But there are mental health issues that mimic those things. So. Yeah. yeah. Good. Anything else you'd like to, to hit on well, that? I mean, uh, we I'm... could have so many podcasts on all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Myth number three. Uh, I'm the only person who is feeling this way. That one makes me feel really sad because... So statistically, one in four Americans each year experience some kind of mental illness stuff. Yeah. Um, and then chronically over time that doesn't um, doesn't go away is one in 17. Yeah. So certainly not alone um, and certainly not even alone in our churches. There are more than four people in our churches. Um, and so there are plenty of people who yeah. feel the same way. Well, including pastors. And, mm -hmm. and for me, I'm very big on authenticity, yes. on just being real. You don't have to share every tiny detail of who you are as a pastor, but just be real, you know, just be yourself. Don't try to be a celebrity pastor. Make it seem like you have everything together. Just be a real person. If you're struggling with something, let your, your elders know, let your board know, let people know that you're struggling with those things so they can come alongside you and help you in that. Um, a book that I've read recently uh, by Wayne Cordero is Leading on Empty. 
Ooh. It's a good book. Okay. Yeah, it's a That's really good book. Uh, I'll just plug that into yeah. here for you guys. If you ever want to, if you're if you're a leader in ministry or you're a leader in any form, not just ministry, in any form, I highly recommend Leading on Empty. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we can go into that a little nice. bit more another time. I, I, I'm fortunate to go to a church where our pastors are very transparent with those things That's and awesome. then have incorporated that into their ministry and have empowered other people. <gasps> it's beautiful. Yes, it Love makes it. all the difference. Love it. All right, next myth. Uh, there's nothing I can do for something who... Uh, I'm assuming, for someone. For someone. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> uh, there's uh, nothing I can do for someone who is suffering with a mental illness. Mm. People believe that? They do. I think partially because they don't necessarily know how to talk about it. How do you start the conversation? Um so I tell people there are tons of things you can do. You can love someone up close and like bring them food or help watch their kids so they can go upstairs and cry for a while yeah. or something like that. Um, but then there are other ways we can love on people like from a distance. So um, just sending a note or shooting somebody a text. If you don't know what to say, send an emoji or send a funny meme. Um, just being present, I think, is one of the most important ways we can be there for each other. That's awesome. That's good stuff. Um, mental illness, this is the, the, the last one I guess we have here. Mm-hmm. Mental illness is not the same as physical illness. Uh, so medication is wrong or sinful. Oh, this hurts my soul. It hurts my soul and it hurts the soul of a lot of my clients. Yeah. Um, that kind of myth really kind of permeates, I think, Christian culture sometimes. Um, and we really need to be careful of it. So I um, recently lost my mom to cancer. And I can't imagine if someone had said, like, well, just skip the chemo. Like, mm. you just need to have more faith. Oh, my gosh. And so whenever we treat mental health issues that way, because there there are active brain chemistry things happening with mental illness. Um, and so whenever we skip over that and just expect it to go away when we try harder, um, yeah, it just it doesn't support people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so um, kind of sidestepping for a second, one of the things I've, I've really struggled with my, my entire life is depression mm-hmm. in some form or manner. Um, you know, it, it does run in my family. And so for somebody who's dealing with, um, I would say, a, a deeper season of depression, you know, you, you go, I would say you go through different seasons of depression. And different, is that, would that be accurate? So clinically, Clinic. there's a huge book over there. <laughs> clinically, there are many stages and types of depression and there are just different kinds of criteria to see which okay. one you'd meet. But it makes sense that there are different phases and some, some seasons feel heavier and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what would you say to somebody who, how do I want to say this? If, if you know somebody who's struggling with depression what would you say to that person? How would you have them engage with somebody who's dealing with depression? So I think that it partially depends on the level of closeness that you have with someone. Sure. So I think um, whenever anybody's struggling with that, the heavier kind of depression, um, they want a listening ear. They want somebody to come alongside them and just listen to what they have to say, even if it's the same thing that they said yesterday. <laughs> right. um, even if it feels like we're being a downer, like we need somebody to hear us in those moments. So um, seeing that your friend as a person through the through the depression like pushing that stuff aside and remembering who they are um and just joining them in it like getting in the mess with people like that is what this is yes yeah, yeah my friend eric one of the things that he'll do um if, if he knows i'm going through a particularly rough time he'll say all right do you want me to just listen or do you want me to actually you know give you suggestions or advice and i think that's powerful because that's giving the person an, an option to I would say have the power of how that conversation is going to go. Um, and, and having that ear can go a very, very long way. Yeah. So, 
Okay, well, how can we do better as Christ followers integrating mental health practices into our churches and our ministry? So in my practice, some of my clients are believers and some are not. Mm -hmm. So of course I respect whatever someone is coming in sure. with. Um, some clients come in and they're like, yeah, I don't want any of the faith stuff. So we talk about how to find hope in other ways. Yeah. Um, but I also have clients who are coming in, believers who are struggling and wrestling with difficult questions and others who are on fire and they, they want to be praying together. Um, and I feel like for me, no matter who is coming in with, with what aspect of, of their faith history, um, I see how psychology and Christianity are tied together. I don't I don't think that it's an accident that God created us in this world that we can observe, and he gives us intelligence to study those things, yeah. and um, he's an orderly God, and so he allows us to see the order in things and then to kind of redeem the fallen world. Sure. Um, and so for me, I think um, I think many times we want to believe that our churches are immune to mental health stuff. We won't, mm -hmm. don't want to think that our pastor could be depressed. Yeah. We don't want to think that there might be an abusive situation or... Um, somebody in, in our congregation has a personality disorder. So I think sometimes we're afraid to start those conversations or we don't know how to respond. Um, but I think as Christians, there are kind of two aspects. I think top down, like leadership talking about these things. Like I said, my yeah. pastors are great with that kind of stuff. Um, kind of normalizing things, making space, having support groups in their churches. Um, and then the rest is like peer-to-peer, -peer, right? So having that listening ear from our friends or even feeding up to our pastors, like how can we be lifting you up and supporting you in this? How can we be supporting your family members while they're kind of coming alongside you in this? Um, so yeah, I think we're all, we're all gifted uniquely. So whatever you're good at, <laughs> do that thing for those people you love. That's pretty much it. Okay, good. So for me, being a young Christian and, and struggling through depression, I mean, there's all sorts of different... Um, mental health issues with with teenagers and young people. What would you say are some of the hot topics that they're dealing with today, especially in this world? So I would say the biggest are probably anxiety and depression, um, especially actually with social media. Yeah, there has to be a correlation, even if it's not causation, between the the amount of social media that kids consume yeah, and their levels of anxiety, I'm sure, like I'm the sure. comparison stuff that goes on there, um, and also like the bullying that is instantaneous. Like, yeah. so since we've known each other forever, yeah. Um, when we were kids, like you passed notes or mm -hmm. like people were talking about you in the hallway, and it like took a while for a rumor. It still spread throughout the day, but it still took a while, right? And usually something more interesting happened by the end of the day, <laughs> right. right? Like they forgot about the thing that happened to yep, us. Yep, that that's weird. true. And so now, like. Something happens. Somebody like trips in the hallway. So a kid tweets about it. Everybody knows about it instantaneously, and that kid knows that everybody knows. And, and not only that, but it sticks, yes. right? It's not forgotten it's at the end of the day. And white it's on the internet. still there. Yep. Everybody and their mother can see it in Russia if they wanted yep. to. Yep. You know. And another dangerous part of that is all of the sex stuff that's happening. Yeah. Especially on social media. So um, somebody pressures a girl into sending a picture that she might not have been comfortable sending, or she was, and she was trusting that guy, yeah. and then he sends it to all of his friends. And they send it to who? Like, it's just out there. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing such a, a shift um, legally. Like, people are trying to yeah. really call out these issues because it's really de detrimental stuff. Yeah. Um, I think a huge piece of that. So let me back up. Sure. A big chunk of what I do is sex therapy. Um, oftentimes, it's Christian couples coming in saying, we waited and mm. we were expecting this like really hot sex whenever we <laughs> finally got together, like a flip to switch, right? Mm. Um, 
And I come in here and I'm like, listen, guys, we'll, we'll talk about all of it, but they lied to you. Like, how do yeah. you say that? So I think as Christians, we really need to be talking more about sex. Yes. Um, on my Instagram, I just did an enrichment challenge to like remind people of the basics to be building up. And I think whenever we avoid those conversations um, in our churches, then a few things happen. One, our young people are only receiving messages outside the church, and I don't think that's what no. parents and leaders really want either. Um, but another part of it is shame. Like, then yeah. then it's a topic we don't talk about. Um, so if kids have ideas or urges or whatever, they're not going to their parents. They're not going to their Christian leaders. So where can they turn? They're turning to the kid who just tweeted about the other kid falling in the hallway. <laughs> like, that's not where we want our sex ed to be coming from. So yeah. Um, I think that we need to be having more conversations about sexual health in addition to all the other things that are going on. Yeah. Yeah. I actually remember, <laughs> Matt, I, I had no idea that we were going to go down this road. Here we are. <laughs> but here this we are. Um, but uh, when I was a youth pastor, we were at camp and we were with, with a bunch of high school boys, mm-hmm. right? And we were in a cabin and, and it just, it, it came up, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, let's just deal with it. Let's talk yes. about, let's talk about the M word for a mm-hmm. second. Mm-hmm. And, and in that conversation, it sparked one of the most important relationships I had with one of the kids because he had all these questions and we had this great relationship just because we we were open about it and we talked they're high school boys you know they all know about it they're all talking about it you know probably most of them are all doing it right and so um, I actually I came back from that retreat and I got in trouble I was in trouble I'm not gonna tell you by who but I was in trouble with two people and the one person told me, well, you know, the one person who was supposed to support me mm-hmm. basically said, well, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, and you probably shouldn't have brought it up. And I'm like, why not? Like, it's a bunch of high school boys in a cabin on a, you know, a week-long retreat. Why can't we just have open and honest conversations about these things? Why is it something that has to be so hidden and so shameful until you're married and then, like you said, it's like, now you have to have this really, really hot set. You know what I For mean? For real, yeah. And, yeah, we, we have to do better as a church about opening up about these things. And that's one of my passions. So I like to go into churches and help them start conversations with their leaders and with the parents so that people aren't left stranded. <laughs> right. Getting yelled at, right? Like... So... I was actually at a speech, uh, speaking engagement mm-hmm. and a woman came up to me and said she was afraid of talking about masturbation with her son. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, you know, he already knows he has a penis. <laughs> so you bringing it up is not going to like plant some new idea right. in his mind. Like he probably has already thought about it. So why not engage in that conversation? Why not be authentic? Um, because those conversations at an early age, it's not a sex talk. It's a sex conversation. You're, you're starting this dialogue. So the earlier we can start those things with our kids, normalizes stuff it kind of takes that shame away but it also sets the stage for you can keep coming back to me with stuff Mm. and I'll keep giving you real information you don't have to try to trust somebody else to do it yeah (laughs) you can be informed going into those conversations with other people so let's let's bring it all around here for a second how does that deal with mental health so whenever I talk to any of my clients about like wellness. I talk about it in terms of the whole person. So whenever we're talking about mental health, there's that like emotional piece. There's also a physical wellness that we need to pay attention to, our our minds, our intellectual wellness, um, and, and some other different spots. So for me, especially whenever I'm working with couples, which is my passion, I love working with couples. Mm -hmm. Um, Anytime I'm working with someone who is struggling in that area or they're trying to build trust in that area, um, kind of debunking the shame that they were raised with, um, it's important to me to point out that 
it, even if you're not experiencing a depression symptom, this is still a part of your mental health because it's something that's weighing heavily on you. Um, and and anytime shame is involved, like Satan is a tricky jerk, yeah. right? Like he takes something that has an ounce of truth and twists it and, and tries to hold it over us in a way that Jesus never expected that, to, never wanted that to happen. He never intended that for us. Um, and so when we're looking after our mental health, it really is all of, all of the parts of us. Yeah. And if as Christians we're cutting the sexual parts of ourselves off, then we're not going to be doing ourselves a service. So Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I, it's something that I've been teaching a lot is, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It, there's this overwhelming sense of we have to love the Lord with our whole being, right? Not just one part of it. And, and I like the way you said that. If we just, if we cut that part off, we're not really loving the Lord with everything. Or at least we're, we're cutting it off and hiding it away until, until you're married. And, and then, then it's great. And, perfect, and then right? out of nowhere, you're supposed to be like this, you know, somebody that you've seen in a porno. For, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're expected to be this porn star and, and that's not how it works. Or you're expected to have like this, <laughs> we're in the language. Um, it's, I've heard it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're expected to have like this, um, I would say, psychedelic orgasm, yeah. right? And and if you don't have that, what's wrong with you? Um, and that's just not, <laughs> it's not reality. Yeah, it's and not there true. are also so many, like um, that, that big book that we talked about earlier, <laughs> yeah. there are so many sexual disorders that um, can be present. And so if no one's been talking to a person um, throughout their lifespan about sex and what to expect, mm. um, then if they're experiencing pain during sex, they just think it's supposed to be happening. Mm. And so women especially can go years and years being married and have no idea that that's not how it has to oh be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Okay, let's <laughs> let's go back to happy for a second. So behind us we have a, a hope wall, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about the hope wall. Okay, so I love that your podcast is empowering hope yes. because it's obviously something really important to me. Um, I think whenever I'm talking about anything mental health with any of my clients, um, one of the most foundational things I want to send them home with is a little bit of hope. And mm -hmm. so I thought since I can't get all of my clients together and just like have them encourage each other because confidentiality, sure. um, th at least we could collaborate on something that might speak to them as they're coming in and out. So I established this hope wall where clients can create things or bring things in that represent hope to them, um, like the changing of the seasons and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, so we stick that stuff up there and swap it out as people graduate. They take things with them. And yeah, it's been really good. That's it's been awesome. a fun collaboration. Good deal. Yeah. Um, so if people wanted to get in touch with you, I know you've been posting a lot on Instagram lately. I'm all about Instagram. Yeah. Like, let's send out something fast. Like, people don't always have the time to sit down and commit to a huge blog post. So it's yeah. an easy way to, to stay connected. Yeah. yeah. So, and um, we'll put all those tags in there for you. Everything should be popping up right now. Hopefully, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Um, but you can also find all of her uh, information and all of her contact information in the credits below uh, on this video. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you can also go on to uh, empoweringhope.org slash podcast and you can find all that information there as well. Okay, so let's let's talk about this for a second. If somebody is going through, I would say, an emergency situation where you know they're, it, they're on the brink, mm -hmm. something really bad is about to happen, um, you've suggested that you have some different resources, correct? Yes. So I like what you said. There are different seasons of depression and um, 
different people are qualified to deal with those things. So as a friend, you are not responsible for figuring out, like, is this person going to commit suicide? Is this person going to be safe? Um, So there are resources for you. There are a bunch on my website. The one that I throw out to everyone, I mean, obviously call 911. If if there's any concern for somebody's immediate safety, go take care of that. Um, But another option, especially in Allegheny County, is the Resolve Crisis Network. I'm not sure how many people would be familiar with that. Um, It's a free service that's out of Western Psych, and they will call somebody on the phone and, like, establish safety. Um, they can send somebody to that person's house to make sure that they're okay. So um, there are lots of resources out there that really help kind of share that responsibility so that we can all be happy and healthy. Yeah. yeah. Good. I will also post all of those in the credits below as lots well. Lots of credits, guys. Lots of credits. <laughs> lots and lots of credits. So anything else you'd like to share? No, this has been great. Yeah, I love this. This yeah. is great. So thank you all so much for joining this week's podcast. Uh, hope, you, hope you enjoyed it. We, we kind of went down some crazy we did, roads. Guys. We weren't anticipating some of those <laughs> things. Counselor life. <laughs> but, you know, um, that's just part of life, too, though. There, there are things that happen throughout life that maybe you don't expect to happen. And sometimes you just need to take it head on. And sometimes you just need to deal with it. And I love how you said it. Just get in the mess. Yeah. Right? Just Stir get in the mess. Pot. Stir that pot. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for watching the Empowering Hope podcast or listening. Just so you know, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all. We, we're on everything. So <laughs> I'll post all those in the, in the credits as well. Thank you once again so much for watching, and we'll see you next week on the Empowering Hope podcast. <laughs>